Hello, and welcome to the podcast of Emmanuel Assemblies of God in Knoxville, Tennessee. We're so glad you've taken the time to listen. If you're ever in our area, we invite you to join us for one of our worship services. For times and locations, please visit at EmmanuelAG.com. You know, one of the things that has changed recently um, it, for the church, I believe, is you know, all my life growing up, we, we, I mean, I remember from the, <laughs> when you grow up in a Christian home, you get to see all the Christian culture stuff that's going on. And I remember when I was little, I, I wasn't in the sixties, but they were still playing that, that old movie from the sixties about the end times and the rapture and the mark of the beast and all that stuff, you know, and I'm telling you what, that would have been an easy time to live through then <laughs> compared to what things are going on now. The thing that's changed for us is the end times, the last days has always been almost, it's been out there somewhere. It's been like a story a movie and all these different ideas of how it's going to happen and it's going to play out. But what's different now is we're actually living in them. Okay. These things in the Bible and Romans one and revelation, they're happening around us right now. They are, you wouldn't want to live in California right now. I'm just saying that. And that's why people are leaving that place left and right. I mean, they're, they're making all kinds of crazy decisions about what kind of state they will be and and the 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 garbage they're putting in the schools and different things it's it's alarming let me say that it's alarming but we're living in those times right now where these things are beginning to come to pass and the church has got to shift gears because we've got to answer it come on these i've said it before these are god's end times and he's got something that he wants to do this is your finest hour this is what you were born for to be here in these times. And we're not the ones who are supposed to be hiding under the mountains for fear of what's coming on the earth with our hearts failing us, saying, fall on us. That's not our mission. Our mission is to be a witness for the kingdom of God in these end times. And so I want to take you to this letter that that, um, Paul is writing. It's 2 Timothy. It's the last letter Paul wrote. The year is um, most likely 67 A.D., the Emperor Nero, everybody here of the Emperor Nero, he's the one who started the persecution against the church. He'd been ruling for about 13 years at this point. Three years before this, in the year 64, there was the Great Fire in Rome. Has anybody heard of the Great Fire in Rome? I mean, this is a history lesson. Let me just tell you, there was a Great Fire in Rome. A lot of people thought that uh, Nero himself started it. Even at the time, they thought he started it because he had this expansion program, and he was building new palaces and connecting them all together. And uh, and uh, so that's where the... Uh, the, the uh, the phrase comes from where they say Nero fiddled while Rome burnt. You know, he was up on his balcony, they say, just watching it because he planned it. Now, that's disputed in history. Nobody's certain that he planted, he started it or had it started. But uh, needless to say, he needed a scapegoat. So he said, hey, you know who started that fire? It's those new Christians. <laughs> And that's when the persecution started in A.D. 64, and they started persecuting the church. Uh, The uh, Roman uh, historian uh, Tacitus, he wrote this. He said that many Christians were arrested and brutally executed, being thrown to the beasts, crucified, and being burned alive. How would you like to have been around in that time, right? It was this same year, A.D. 64, that Peter was crucified. He was martyred. And, you know, tradition has it that Peter was crucified upside down because he said, I'm not worthy to die the way my Lord died. So they, he turned him upside down and crucified him upside down. 
So this is not good times that this letter is being written in. Fast forward three years to the year A.D. 67. The persecution is still going on, okay? And now Paul, he's in, he's in, um, excuse me, he's writing this final letter to Timothy, and um, he's in prison. He's in the prison that he's going to be in until he's beheaded. His time is short, and he knows it. He's run his, you know, he said to Timothy in the letter, I've, I've fought the good fight, finished the race. He knows his time is over. And so now here, here's a man who's writing to a younger man, a man that he loves dearly. He loves him like a son. They've worked together. They've been together a long time. And he has this opportunity to say things to him. And you would expect that Paul would speak very clearly and very plainly and just very straightforwardly about what's going on. Would you not? And he does, and he does. And you know what, I'm thinking, I'm reading this, and I'm thinking this would be a great time for Paul in his letter, you know, to say something like, hey, Timothy, you know, you don't want to be here in this prison. Lay low. <laughs> Just lay low. Don't make waves. Don't draw attention to yourself, right? You know, let your religion be private, you know, between you and God. Come on, we're told that all the time, aren't we, by the culture. Paul's not saying that. He could have said, you know, Timothy, the time for big evangelism, it's over. You know, we had a good run, but you're just going to have to look for opportunities now to witness one-on-one. -on -one. Come on, I've heard that. Have you heard that? I've heard America is closed to the gospel. We've got to look for those one-on-one -on -one opportunities. That's the only way the church will grow. But does God have an answer to this supposedly closed culture today? Right? So here's the thing. Paul didn't say any of that to Timothy. Instead, he says this. He says, hey, Timothy, fan into flame the gift of God that's inside of you. Hey, Timothy, hard times are coming, but you know what? All who want to live godly in Christ Jesus are going to be persecuted. Hey, Timothy, you've got to endure suffering like a soldier. Timothy, fight the good fight. Finish your race. Do the work of an evangelist. Finish your ministry. So what he tells them to do, keep going. You know, I think one of the, the things is that Many churches, we've backed off of, of that kind of evangelism because, again, like I said earlier, we have left most of the things before they were taken from us. And one of the things the churches have left is our weapons of warfare. We've left the gifts of the Spirit. We programmed them out of our churches. So, because we don't want to lose control or for whatever reason. And these are the things that will impact the world. This is the method that God has chosen to reach the world. We don't have the tools for ministry, so we can't do ministry. So we have to go and do secret stuff and one-on-one -on -one and just try to be friendly to everybody. All that. Well, we should be friendly. Nobody should be disagreeable. I've seen people out there witnessing disagreeable. <laughs> it's not necessarily the best, best way. I've seen people out on the street telling everybody they're going to hell. It's like, okay, great. You know, that's not necessarily the gospel. What's the gospel? The gospel is Jesus died, resurrected, right? The gospel is about Jesus, the life in Jesus. So we're not here just to condemn the world. The world's already under condemnation. They know it. They experience a little bit of hell every day. What they're looking for is the answer. They're looking for the way out. But what we need to do is answer that call of their heart with a gift of the Spirit. A word of wisdom, a word of knowledge, a, a miracle, a healing. Think about it. And God wants to, those things to flow through each and every one of us. 
Every one of you, every one of us, we need to be flowing in those things. Amen? Come on, this is good. This is right. Amen. Amen. Thank you very much. All right, thank you for your support. So Paul tells them, hey, what you've seen in me, keep doing. Keep running with it. Don't slow down and don't back off. And I love this verse. And uh, if you're in uh, 2 Timothy, go to chapter 4 and verse 2. Paul tells him, okay, I mean, think about this. In the middle of persecution, Paul tells him this. Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. Why is he telling him this? Why? Because the mission has not changed in the light of the present circumstances. There's been no change. The great, the great commission is still the law of the kingdom. Emperors will come, emperors will go, but the gospel must continue to increase. We still need to preach. We preach in season, we preach out of season. Your King James Bible says, uh, says it like this, be instant, preach the word, be instant in season and out of season. That's like my instant rice. Which when, which when Rinkin first came, that was anathema because she knows how to make real rice. And I, I use instant rice. But be ready, right? Your instant rice is always ready. Think about it. Well, five minutes. <laughs> five minutes, and I'm ready. It's not that stuff you got to boil for 20 minutes, you know, or put it in a pressure cooker. It's ready. You need to be ready. You know, readiness is... Um, uh, Think about it like this. Readiness is a part of your armor. You know, I know in kids' church, you learn that you have the gospel shoes of peace, right? But that's not what it actually says. It's not the gospel shoes of peace. Read it. Ephesians 6.15. And as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. See that? Readiness is important. Be ready. You know, if we're going to accommodate Word, I was thinking about that word. If we're going to accommodate all that God wants to do through us, uh, think about it. He wants to do things. We want to accommodate him. We want him to be have the freedom to express himself through us. So if we're going to accommodate all that he wants to do through us in these last days, we've just got to get to the place where we're stirred up, built up, and ready. We've got to live that way. And we've got to come to the understanding that... <clears throat> We're actually spiritual all the time, whether we feel like it or not. You know what I'm saying? We need to be ready. I, I shared this Wednesday just a little bit. On Wednesday nights, um, we've been studying uh, and discussing the gifts of the Spirit. Man, my hope is to stir us up into these things because I, I want to see them just uh, flowing in our lives. We need them. And we were discussing them. And one of the things I did say Wednesday was, you know, we, we come to church and, and we have such great times of worship where the presence of the Lord is so evident among us. And that's a wonderful thing. And that's a good thing. But don't make the mistake of thinking that we have to be there for the gifts to flow through you. Because when you're out there in the middle of crazy world, you need to know that the gifts are right there, ready to manifest because you are the environment. You are the atmosphere right? You, you don't necessarily have the opportunity to go into Walmart and change the atmosphere in Walmart. The atmosphere in Walmart is Walmart. That atmosphere changes when you walk in because you're carrying the Spirit of God, and you need to be able to tap into heaven and realize that you are constantly connected to heaven always, right? So don't let the wonderful times of blessing that we have when we're in the presence of the Lord, like in times of worship, become um, something that actually, a, a crutch, if you will, because most, I mean, we're here, what, twice a week, 
we live most of our lives somewhere else. But we need to realize that you're connected to God everywhere you go. Come on, that's good. That's really good. Think about it. Chew on it. It's good. Remember it. Pray the Lord brings it back to your memory later. You can chew on it again. Think about it and realize that he wants to use you everywhere. Not just on Sundays. So be ready in season and out of season, right? The Holman Christian Standard Bible says it like this. Proclaim the message. Persist in it, whether convenient or not. I like that. Persist in it, whether it's convenient. You know, sometimes it's just not convenient. It's just not. You know, here at church, like I said, here at church, we're worshiping, whatever. It's convenient. But how about out there when you're in a hurry to get somewhere and somebody interrupts you and they have a need? It's not always convenient, is it? How about when you're at work? Then, you know, you're with a coworker and, you know, maybe you're working in an environment where, you know, you could actually be reprimanded or even fired for, for speaking about God. It's not always convenient, is it? How about when you're with your family and they already think you're a religious crazy person <laughs> gone too far with his Jesus stuff? It's not always convenient. But, but Paul says what? Proclaim the message. Persist in it whether it's convenient or not. The contemporary English version. I like, I like looking at these different versions. Just give you just some insight on what Paul is saying here. And you know, one of the things I found, there's yeah, there's a lot of translations of the Bible, but they, they pretty much all agree. You know, there might be some shades and nuance, and you know, there are better, there are better translations than others. Some are more accurate to the word, some give you better study tools with them, some are more paraphrases, but uh, for the most part, they're all saying the same thing. Amen. And so CEV says, preach God's message. Do it willingly, even if it isn't the popular thing to do. Well, he wrote that for us today, didn't he? Because it's not the popular thing to do anymore. Stand for God to preach his message. In the CEV, it goes on. He says, you must correct people and point out their sins. I'm like, really? Do we have to do now? Okay, I know there are people who think they have that ministry and they like to point out everybody's sins, all right? Okay, I'm not talking to you. <laughs> I'm talking to those who are really too nice and just want to love everybody and not not call it. We we need the clarity as a church to be able to articulate what is sin. Think about it. We need that. Otherwise, how will you know if there's no some if there's nobody holding up the standard? That doesn't mean to go around there and attack people and tell everybody they're sinning, but we do need to have the clarity to say what a sin is. So he says, um, correct people, point out their sins, but also cheer them up. And when you instruct them, always be patient. But I like that. Do it willingly, even if it's not the popular thing to do. You know, Christianity might not make you the most popular person among your family or among your coworkers. It might not, but the sooner we accept that, then I'm not here. It's not a popularity contest. I'm not here to be popular. I'm here to please him. And the sooner I can accept that and put that part down, the sooner I am free to follow him with my whole heart. Do it willingly, even if it's not popular. The last one I have here, <coughs> excuse me, is the Phillips translation. He says, I urge you, Timothy, as we live in the sight of God and of Christ Jesus, whose coming in power will judge the living and the dead, to preach the word of God, 
And I like this phrase here, and I want to camp on this phrase just for a few minutes. Never lose your sense of urgency. Never lose your sense of urgency. It's so easy to go on and get encumbered and busy by life that we lose the sense of urgency. And we cannot lose our sense of urgency. You know, there's an urgency to our mission. Why? Because people are dying left and right all around us. Okay, if you don't feel the urgency, then maybe you need to go and volunteer for a mission where you're dealing with people who are, you know, in poverty or impoverished or hungry or addicted. You'll get a sense of the urgency of it very quickly. But those things that you see in those places, believe it or not, they're everywhere. They're everywhere. Many people, many families today are dealing. I think the number one of the number one problems in America is, is addictions. So there's an urgency to our gospel because sin is increasing everywhere, all around us. It's increasing. There's an urgency because people are becoming captive to their sensuality and it's leaving them empty and broken. There's an urgency because people are destroying themselves, like I said, through addictions of every kind, chemical addiction, uh, food addictions, entertainment addictions, behavioral addictions. It's not just, when you say addictions, it's not just alcohol and drugs. We have compulsive, addictive behaviors in America, and, and God does not want anything to rule over us. He wants us to be free. And those all hit close to home. I mean, we, you know, if you've got uh, if you've got social media on your computer or on your phone, there's a, there's the there's the potential to be addicted to it. It's close to all of us, but God doesn't want anything to rule over us. Come on, this is good. This is getting us free. This is getting us moving forward. Right? It's good stuff. There's an urgency because, in spite of all the advancements in medicine, there are still things out there that are incurable. There's people dying every day under the care of doctors. Come on, do we have a healer or not? Right? There's an urgency. There's an urgency in the gospel. You know why there's an urgency? Listen to this one. There's an urgency because in this country, I'm just going to tell you, there is a war on children. There's a war on children. Families are being torn apart. Entertainment for children is no longer innocent. I mean, you try to find something to let your kids watch. Thank God for right now media. But there's not a lot out there that you can let them watch. I can't let them go. Even if I know they're watching YouTube on kids mode, do you know what kind of horrible advertisements come up between them? I can't let them have a computer that's online by themselves. It's, it's, it's not innocent out there. There's an evil agenda right now to indoctrinate your children and your grandchildren with the most preposterous ideas. Nothing is safe. Nothing is neutral. There's, there's an urgency because there is a devil right now who's going around seeking people to devour. And only through Jesus do you have the power to resist him. There's an urgency because every day people are dying and going to hell. And they're taking others with them. They're leading others as they go themselves. So I'm not trying to be a downer. We were smiling earlier. <laughs> but these are the facts. This is where we're living right now. You know, Paul was well aware of what was going on when he wrote this letter to Timothy. I mean, not only was this stuff going on, but they were, they were dying. The Christians were dying. Horrible deaths, being fed to the wild animals and being burned alive. And in light of this, he says, be instant, in season and out of season. Come on, we cannot let go of our call 
to carry the gospel of Jesus Christ just because the times get tough. Come on, we're in our finest hour. We're in our finest hour. See, these things are going on and we can't, you know, just ignore them and hope they go away. You ever been in a restaurant at lunchtime? I've, I've been to restaurants a lot at lunchtime. That's when I go a lot, right? You know? You're working or something, and you say, man, I'm just going to go over here, grab a burger or something, right? And you go in there, and, you know, it's lunch crowd, right? Tons of people out here, and, and you're, you're in line, and, you, you know, maybe you get up there to order, and you're looking at the people behind the counter. And you're like, you see all these people here, and you see them, and you're like, no sense of urgency. <laughs> They're just taking their time. Come on, I've been there, and it's like, oh, I should have went to Chick-fil-A, you know? <clears throat> They might be busy, but they're going to at least give me a sandwich before the lunch break is over. You know, it just drives you nuts when there's no sense of urgency. But, you know, if we really believe that we have the answers as the church, and we should, the answers that they are ultimately needing to find, you know, come on, do we have the cure for addiction? Do we have the cure for addictive behavior? Not only do we have the cure for addiction, we have the peace that you were missing that led you to go into that addictive behavior in the first place. Come on, if we believe that, then there should be a sense of urgency on our part to meet the needs of people out there. There should be a sense of urgency if we really have a God who heals. If we believe that God can truly set people free from what's killing them, there needs to be a sense of urgency. Amen? Come on. Amen. Amen. And you know what? Our Our ideas do not belong somewhere in a dark corner of the culture down some alley or under a rock. No, our ideas belong in the mainstream of the culture. That's where we need to live. That's where we need to shine. That's where we do our best, when we're in the mainstream of the culture. Seriously. We stand for truth and let the culture take its place around us, left and right. We're standing for truth. This is my father's world. Come on. This is his world. And you know what? This world will still respond to his words on your lips. Don't worry. I mean, they try to marginalize you. They try to shut you out. They try to make you think that what you believe and what you're saying is is silly or weird or irrelevant. And look at what else they believe. Okay, don't worry about it. (laughs) Speak the truth, live the truth, be the truth, and demonstrate the goodness and the kindness and the glory and the power of God right in front of them. So God wants to do. He wants to put us into the culture to shine in the culture. But we can't do that without the power of God on our lives. We can't do that without the gifts of the Spirit flowing through us. Amen? So never lose your sense of urgency. So I want you to go to Acts 4, if you will, please. Acts 4. Acts chapter 1, Jesus went to heaven, gave the Great Commission. Acts chapter 2, the baptism, the Holy Spirit fell. They were all baptized in the Holy Spirit, spoke in other tongues. Acts chapter 3, they went and they healed the beggar, uh, begging at the gate beautiful. And they had this wonderful miracle, and he went walking and leaping and praising God, and and it was an amazing time. And in Acts chapter 3, they get in trouble. (laughs) And they're dragged before the council. They were arrested for preaching. Arrested for preaching in the name of Jesus. And so what did they do? They preached to the council. 
They did. Go back in Acts chapter 3 and read it. They didn't miss a beat, man. Same message era, proclaiming on the street. They just like proclaimed right there. Hey, come on, that's what it means to be ready in season and out of season, right? Out here on the street where people are loving you, I'm going to preach Jesus and the resurrection. In here in the council where they would really like to put me on a cross right now too, I'm going to preach Jesus and the resurrection. That's what they did. And so they're preaching to the council. And when they were questioned and, and harassed by them, they continued to preach. And if you go to Acts chapter 4 and verse 12, I'm just, I don't have time to read the whole thing, but in Acts chapter 4 and verse 12, this is uh, Peter's closing statement after he preaches to them. He says, And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. You know, that's the last thing they wanted to hear after they warned. So they warned them again. They threatened them. Basically, they tell them, don't preach anymore in this name. Look at that. Uh, skip down to verse 18. So they called them and charged them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. I gave them a gag order. So you will not talk about this. This will not be spoken of in Jerusalem. And they threatened them and they let them go because they didn't know what to do because the guy who they healed was like standing right there with them. Okay, that helps. Just mental note, okay, that helps. The people who you've ministered to and God has healed through you and touched and changed their lives, have them standing with you when you go to church, that helps. <laughs> Can't guarantee the outcome, but that's helpful, okay? It means, what's it mean? It means we need to be about the Lord's business. We need to be letting him use us to touch lives and change hearts and heal bodies, amen? So they're there, and uh, they get this gag order, and they let him go. And if you'll go down to uh, 4 and verse 23, it says, When they were released, they went to their friends, and they reported what the chief priests and elders said to them. So they went back to their group, to their friends, and they said, Hey, look, let me tell you what the government is doing right now. They told us not to speak or teach anymore in the name of Jesus. The name of Jesus and the Great Commission is making us enemy of our leaders. And they were just honest about it, weren't they? Well, let me tell you what your government is doing right now. They're systematically indoctrinating our citizens against God. They are. They're making Christianity hate speech. They're promoting people to the highest positions of leadership and they're normalizing what just a few years ago would have been considered a mental health disorder. They're calling evil good. They're calling good evil. And this is happening now. And we need to open our eyes and know it. They went to their friends and they reported what the chief priests and their elders had said to them. They didn't sugarcoat it. They didn't ignore it. But they shared it. And when they did, here's what they did about it. Verse 24, when they heard it, they lifted their voices together to God and said, Sovereign Lord who made the heaven and the earth and sea, and they start to pray. They start to pray. We need to come together and lift our voices and not be in denial of what's going on in our world right now. When you say, this is what I see the government doing. This is what I see institutions doing. This is what the schools are doing. This is what corporations are doing. In light of all this, Father, we lift up our voices to you right now. And seek his face. 
They said, Sovereign Lord, who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them, who through the mouth of our father David, your servant. Now they're preaching to God and they're, they're going through the whole story. Through the mouth of your servant David, he said by the Holy Spirit, why did the Gentiles rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his anointed. Verse 27, for truly in this city, they were gathered together against your name, your uh, holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the people of Israel. Look, now they're, they're actually calling out their, gov- their politicians by name. <laughs> they are. Herod and Pontius, they're naming them. Well, hey, now that doesn't mean we need to be overly political as a church. But come on, in some areas, the government has crossed the line and come into our lane. And we have the right to stand for truth. Right? We need to say what truth is. We need to be able to call out what sin is. We need to be able to live holy. And it takes clarity to do that. Right now, they're hurting people with their laws and their policies. They're preying on the innocent, and their social engineering experiments are leaving lives broken left and right. And one of the jobs of the church is to stand against injustice. And if we just ignore it and say, I don't want to get involved... How are we going to be held guiltless on that day? If we allow them to listen to this, if we allow them to blur the lines, we will not have the clarity to believe God for the supernatural power to set people free. Sometimes you've got to draw a line and make it clear. Do you know why the Baptists are so good at getting people saved? They understand exactly what they're wanting when they make that altar call. <laughs> they want you to come forward, admit you're a sinner, pray the sinner's prayer, shake the pastor's hand, and write this date in your Bible. Right? Do you know why in the Pentecostal history, the, the Pentecostal was people were so good at getting people filled with the Holy Spirit? They 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 drove that tongues as the initial evidence. And you come forward and you pray until you speak in tongues. And then we know you're baptized. They were very clear about what they were going after. And they would have tarrying services where you come and you would tarry and wait for that. And if you didn't have it, you didn't have it. And they didn't pretend like you had it. And they would tarry and wait and they would pray until they got what they were looking for. We need to have the moral clarity to be able to call a sin a sin so that we can set people free from what is killing them. We need to have the moral clarity to call a sin a sin in our own lives so that we can separate ourselves from it and walk holy with God. Okay, now, I understand I'm not preaching a judgmental message where we're supposed to go out and just condemn the world. This is, this is for the purpose of rescuing people. Do you understand what I'm saying? I mean, it does nobody any good just to say, y'all are going to hell. <laughs> we need to say, because they're going to hell, Jesus has given us a solution. Let me give you life. Let me give you a hand. Let me rescue you. Jesus came to rescue. So understand the spirit that I'm trying to say this in, okay? But we still have got to have that moral clarity. Do we not? Do you agree? Okay. All right. Not trying to be, I'm not trying to be controversial here at all. But um, we, we've got to be able to, um, we've got to be able to help people. You know, if your doctor looks at you and he says, he runs your scans and he looks at your scan, he says, hey, you have a malignant tumor. If you want to live, we got to cut it out. You know, that's not hate speech. Right? And you can be mad at him, you can hate him, you can call him hateful, and you can reject his words. 
but it won't change your circumstances, right? See, the Bible, uh, it's just like the doctor. The Bible tells us that, you know, Jesus has the power to set you free from what's killing you. And you can be angry at him and you can call Christians hateful and you can reject his message. And the choice is yours, right? But we need to preach the message. We need to tell people what Jesus has done for us and what he will do for them. So they go on, they're praying. For truly in this city, they were gathered together against your holy servant, Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the people of Israel. Verse 28, to do whatever your hand and your plan predestined should take place. And 29, listen to this. And now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness. This is their response to that. Okay, their response was not to go start a protest or petition or do any of this stuff. Their response was, we are going to keep speaking your word. Let us speak your word with all boldness while you stretch out your hand to heal and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. With signs and wonders in your life, you can speak the word of God very boldly. And this is how God wants to do. Now, listen to what they didn't pray, okay? Listen to how they did not pray. They did not get together and say, hey, hey, they, they, they told us there's a gag order. We can't speak in Jesus' name anymore. Let's pray. God, we're under a gag order. It's against the law now to speak in the name of Jesus. What should we do? Please give us wisdom. Amen. No, there was not even a thought in their mind that the Great Commission should stop. There was not even a hesitation that the word of God should not be proclaimed. It did not even cross their consciousness. They didn't even think that way or pray that way. What did they do? They prayed, God, give us boldness in the face of what's going on to continue to proclaim your word. They were instant. They were ready. They weren't going to back off. They prayed and they fanned that gift in the flame. And then the Lord answered them. Look at verse 31. When they had prayed, the place in which they were gathering together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. It's good, isn't it? That's what God wants to give us today. I believe he does. A fresh feeling with the Holy Spirit. You know, the indwelling of the Holy Spirit that you get when you were saved, that's for you. You know, the indwelling, he comes and he lives inside of you. His spirit is joined with your spirit. And, and the Bible talks about that well of water. It's a well that you can drink from any time you want. But do you know the baptism of the Holy Spirit? When the spirit comes upon you, that's for the world, man. That's not just for you. That's for the world. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is to make you a witness to give you power to be a witness. That's for the world. And that baptism of the Holy Spirit, that is the fountainhead of the rivers of living water that God wants to channel through you. That's what that is. And if we're, you know, if we if we could live up in a monastery somewhere or up in a cabin in the woods off the grid and be alone, all you, you, you don't even need to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. You've got the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. Enjoy that. But if you're going to confront the evil that's in the world and God's going to use you, you've got to be filled with the Holy Spirit, man. You've got to have the rivers of living water coming out of you, out of your belly. And God has that his, his answer for what's going on in the world today. It's you and me. Come on, if it's not us, who is it? Come on. So uh, we need it. You need it. And so there should be a progress in our lives. We should be growing in the Lord every day. We should be seeing God do more in our lives every day. 
We should even be walking a narrower path every day. You know, a path of holiness. This should be increasing as we're changing constantly into the image of Jesus Christ. This should be going on every day. And also, not only in our lives as individuals, there should be progress in the church. You know, I've said before, every generation shouldn't have to be stumbling in the dark and rediscovering these truths for themselves. We need to be passing them on to our children and their children and after us. Right? It's how it should be. We should, we should not be the same church today that they were in the book of Acts. The problem is here's the book of Acts church. They were a baby church, but we're down here. We should be way up here by now in our understanding and, and the movements that we've had and the revivals that we've had. It wasn't that long ago the, the Pentecostal movement hit this country. And after that, I was reading that prophecy the other day, you know, the charismatic movement and all these other waves of things that God has poured out where people knew him. And we shouldn't be sitting here losing this generation because we failed to pass it on. Should not happen, but here we are. So let's get serious about God. Let's get the gifts of the Spirit working in our lives. Let's get the Word of God in our hearts flowing through us, and let's, let's step up to the plate and do our job. Can we do that? We need this progress. There's going to be times, you know, when it's more convenient than others. There's going to be times where you're going to see rapid gains and opportunities just always presenting themselves. And there's going to be time when it seems like the doors are just shut up to you. But no situation has gone too far. And it's time for us to step up and take our responsibility for the world around us, right? For God so loved what? The Christians? There wasn't a Christian when he gave his life. For God so loved the world. It's the object of his affection. We're never going to win the world by hating the world and being mad at the world. Let me, guys, can you come on up? Just, just get ready. I, just, I want to share just another thought here as we go. Before David killed the giant... Remember, David killed the giant. Before he killed the giant, what did he kill? He killed a lion and he killed a bear. Okay? Some of you possibly have lions and bears in your life that you haven't killed yet. Before we carry the gospel to the ends of the earth, you know, we talk about, let's go, let's carry the gospel to the ends of the earth. Before we carry the gospel to the ends of the earth, we need it to be working in our lives first. Because you can't give what you don't have. We need that gospel to be alive in our lives. And I'm not saying that we have to be perfect before we go. That's been one of the mistakes of the whole uh, charismatic movement. You know, all this, we're sitting here speaking in tongues to each other, prophesying to ourselves, and never taking that step to go out there. Right? That's a mistake. We don't have to be perfect before we go. But we do have to have the gospel working in our lives, like right now, today. Amen? So there's no guilt. There's no condemnation. But it's time to kill, I'm telling you, it's time to kill that lion and that bear that's in your life. I don't want anybody to feel bad by saying this. I just want to encourage you to go after that thing and beat it. Deal with it and beat it. And listen, by beating it and by overcoming your lion and overcoming your bear, you will have great confidence in facing those giants that are coming because they are coming. And whether you are David out there running after a giant with a stone in the sling or one of Saul's soldiers sitting there hiding behind a rock afraid of this man is going to depend on what you do with your lion and your bear today.
It's time to get serious about dominating our circumstances. Amen? You know, and I don't know what it is. You, you maybe know what it is. Maybe it's a family member that you know is not living right and you need to double down, pray for them. Maybe it's time to go through the Bible and get those verses about, you know, children and start quoting them to yourself and to God and to the situation. Maybe a financial situation you've been lax about or a physical issue you need to get serious about. Maybe it's a habit that God wants you to end. I don't know what it is. I know he didn't give me any insight necessarily into this. Maybe it's just something in your mind that keeps you from just stepping into the fullness of your calling or the fullness of the spirit. Or maybe it's just a commitment to press on and systematically put the word of God into your life every day to take hold of that thing that he's called you to do. I don't know what it is, but let's just start here today. Amen? We need the baptism of the Holy Spirit to be a witness first in our Jerusalem, right? So let's first, this is your Jerusalem, man. Then let's let him send us to Judea and Samaria and the ends of the world. I believe there are people here today. I mean, we've, we've got two missionaries on the other side of the world right now who used to go to this church. I love it. I don't know who's going to pop up and go next. I was one of the things that's in my heart, and I know the heart of you guys, is to be a mission-supporting and mission-sending church. I don't know who's going to be next. So, man, just, I, my prayer is that Emmanuel will be, will be a place where you can look back on when you're over there doing what you're supposed to be doing and say, man, God met me there. He helped me. He set me up for what I'm doing now. So let's not take these things lightly. Amen? Let's start here today. Let's fan into flame the gift that God has in us. And, you know, I just, I just asked them to, to sing a song. And, uh, you know, it doesn't really matter so much if you respond to a, the altar, come up here. If you want to seek the Lord, we've got some chairs up here that are a great place to pray. But what matters more than that is what do you do when you leave this? Right? We need to be spiritual all the time, not just on Sunday. And so as we sing this song, uh, if, if you have prayer that you want for anything, or Kim and I are here, we'd love to pray with you. Come on. If you want to seek the Lord, you want to pray, that's fine. Um, but really, what are, what are we going to do with this message today? That's my question.